I want to try to be obedient to something that I feel like God's laid on my heart right now. Um, and that this phrase came to my mind as we were singing. This phrase of, I don't think I can do it anymore. My guess is that perhaps God is saying that there's somebody here or somebody watching online who has, maybe you've literally said, I'm not sure I can do it anymore. And I don't know what that pertains to. That could pertain to a marriage. Uh, that could pertain to life itself. Um, that could pertain to a job that you're just feeling absolutely burnt out. But whatever it is, uh, there is just complete devoid. Um, you're devoid of hope. Maybe the weight of this world has just sunken itself upon your shoulders so hard that you're not sure you can stand anymore. I don't know. But I do believe that that phrase come to my mind, then, then I, I believe that's because God is saying he hears you. He sees you. That hopelessness is not lost on him. And even as we're singing, came across this psalm, Psalm 77. It says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. And when I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated. My spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. And I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked. I, I remembered when you were good to me and I wanted to go back to that place. I'm not sure where you have gone. Will the Lord reject me forever? That's the only conclusion that I can run to. Will he never show his favor again? But then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, and I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago, and I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. And as I did that, I realized that your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God, that you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people. Lord, I pray that you bring to our minds right now all those deeds of your goodness. That you remind us in this moment of your faithfulness from before. And then you remind us yet again that you're the God who does not change, that who you were is who you are and who you will be. And though that there are times in this life that we don't understand, when we groan and we stretch out our hands and we just can't find comfort, God, that when we look on you and we gaze on you, even after the dark night of the soul, God, you resurrect our hearts and our souls with your hope. So I pray that in this moment, we just won't stop looking at you. That you remind us, that you bring our minds to focus if they're scattered so that we might remember who you are and hope may revive itself within us again. Because you're the God 
who understands pain, you're the God of the cross. And you're also the God who has defeated even death itself. You're the God of the resurrection. So we know that you are with us and that you have the ability to resurrect us. We love you. We praise you. May you minister to your people this morning. Encourage them and comfort them and strengthen them with your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat, everybody. You may have a seat. Man, I know that right now is heavy. Um, that many of us are exhausted. Um, that uh, the future still seems incredibly uncertain. Which is why I am so thankful that you continue to lean in and gather together. Even if you can't be here in person, that you're at least joining us online. Because, I mean, this is where we shut everything else out just to allow ourselves to hear strictly from the Lord. Amen? So I, I am thrilled uh, that we still get to gather together and do this. Um, and as we dive in uh, to, to what I believe God wants to show us today, first, on a, um, on a relaxed, normal Sunday afternoon about nine years ago, Shelby, uh, my wife, was riding with a, a good friend of ours from seminary named Catherine. They were coming from a local coffee shop in downtown Melrose. If you know Shelby, you know her deep and abiding love for local coffee shops. But as they're coming from this shop downtown Melrose, um, they're coming back through Saugus, and they're going to get on Route 1 going north right there. And, and where they were merging to go on to Route 1 North was uh, this curl around road that for a brief moment runs parallel to the same lane of people getting off Route 1. All right, So as people are getting off, they're getting on, and, and it curls somewhat like this. Well, as they come around this corner, another driver is coming off Route 1. And in a flash, loses control of his car, skids into their lane, and crashes into the side of our friend Catherine's car. Now, I was hanging out with Catherine's husband named Matt nearby, and we got the call, headed over straight away, and we saw that Catherine and Shelby were still in the car. Airbags were deployed, um, and thankfully, though, they were okay, except for a few bruises. But the guy who crashed into them had clearly been drinking, and he kept profusely apologizing and, and exclaiming that there was a squirrel, a squirrel, a squirrel was coming running across the road squirrel. And so, after all of that, though, I mean, understandably, like that, that was one of the, probably the worst wrecks that Shelby has experienced. And understandably, after that, she became a bit nervous to drive, to, to even ride with somebody else on the road, especially near highways. And it continued that way for about the next month or year after that. <laughs> And I'm not saying anything Shelby hasn't given me permission to share, everybody, just so, so you know that. Like, ooh, he's going to be in trouble. But as I'm reflecting back on that later, we realized that so much of the anxiety that she felt from that experience was because she realized how little control she actually had on the road. But when we thought, thought about it, we thought, no, actually... As far as what control she has, the amount of control she had before the wreck 
and after the wreck were the exact same. It's just the wreck itself revealed to her how little she could control. You know, today we are experiencing, to no surprise of anybody, a surge of new anxiety. To bring back an old favorite word, we might call it unprecedented anxiety. Does that make anybody just like, oh, no, no. (laughs) But understandably, like, we've been through a lot as a society. We were hit two years ago by this invisible enemy that still hasn't gone away. And we've all in some way been bruised by it, some much more deeply than others. Graduates haven't been able to walk across stage Some people lost jobs. Some of you are sitting right now under the the fear that you could still lose your jobs. Others are getting so burnt out that you couldn't continue your jobs. And then for others, it was worse than all of that because they lost even loved ones. And that's a loss that can never be recovered. And after we go through things like this, we've realized just how little we can control. And that often triggers anxiety within us. And when that anxiety is with us for long enough, it can become anger too. But the truth is, we are not in less control today than we were before the pandemic as human beings. It's just the last two years have forced us to reckon with the reality of our human limitations and how fragile life is. And when we're forced to reckon with that, man, that makes us restless. And so we are, in, we are picking up in week two of a four-week series that we're calling Come Find Rest The name of this series is based on Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29, where Jesus invites all of us who are weary and burdened to come to him and learn from him how to find rest for our souls. And this rest that Jesus gives is an internal rest. It's a peace and fulfillment and connection with him, even if we are still completely out of control of this world. Last week, we addressed the burden of shame. Well, this week, we'll address the burden of control. It's a burden that, when carried alone, leaves us feeling anxious, angry, and like we can never really be okay until we're in control again. Anybody relate? (laughs) But after we walk through and understand this burden better and its effect on us, we're going to see how can we come to God and learn from him how to rest even when we're not in control. And if you're somebody here like, man, my need for control or my anxiety just seems impossible to overcome, then I want us to hear Jesus' words today when he says, I'm not done teaching you. I'm not done. And so we're going to begin by reading a couple verses from two different psalms back to back. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, and then Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2. It's pages 501 and 502 of these blueback Bibles that are in front of you if you want to join us. And guys, before I jump in, I just have to say, like, I need this. 
And I hope, my prayer is all week, that this word ministers to you today like it has ministered to me. Because it is so liberating. So listen in with me. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll read Psalm 131. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Now Psalm 131. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. For I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Lord, I pray that your word would be carried by your spirit. That you would uh, animate me and allow us to hear from you. um, So that we might learn from you how to live with rest in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. So why are we talking about the burden of control in the midst of all of this? You know, some of you might say, okay, Kirk, you know, I know I have control issues. <laughs> Doesn't everybody? And that's easy to say when we feel in control. But what about when we don't? Because, as I mentioned a moment ago, the need to be in control becomes a terrible burden when we're forced to realize how little we can control. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to talk about the idea of control itself first, before we dig right into that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zoom back on the timeline of history all the way to the beginning, uh, to the garden Uh, First, see, after God created the heavens, the earth, and everything within it, he created human beings in his image, and he placed them in the paradise of Eden. But he didn't place them in the the paradise so that they could sip Mai Tais under a palm tree, right? Like, he placed them in the garden, and he gave them work, a job, It says to take care of the garden that he had given them. In other words, he made human beings, and yes, he made us to work or control part of his creation. You see, it's within our God-given design to exercise control over some things. In other words, control itself is not bad. And you know, like in our lives, he's given us control over some things, right? Like we can control what we choose to eat, <laughs> whether we exercise or not, how we exercise, you know, what, what our family like, life is like, our job performance. You can control what you say to your spouse. Somebody's like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you can control whether you clean your house or not, right? Like these are things that we, I could, I could go on and on. But God, so God made us to have some control over some things, but just not everything. But control becomes a burden when we try to work for it without God or try to control that which belongs only to God. You guys still tracking with me? See, the first humans were content 
with the control God had given them until the devious serpent pointed out the one tree that was not under their control. God said they didn't eat, don't eat from it. But the serpent said, ah, ignore those limitations that God has put upon you because he's just holding you back from being like him. And so they were left thinking, well, maybe the creator cannot be fully trusted. Maybe we would be better if some or all parts of our lives were without him. And in that moment, the joy of the garden was replaced with distrust and suspicion. But it didn't stop there. Because on t- then, after distrusting God, they desired control over that which belongs to God. From distrust came discontent, and they wanted God's domain. And see, when we cannot trust God... We need to step in for God and try to carry the burdens that are only meant for him. It just got quiet. But this is a key sign when we know that pride is now operating us. Because pride trusts that we can control things better than God can. We may not outright say that because that's, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> But do we live or work like that? I have. And truth is, we all have. Because pride is a disease within every human soul. Therefore, Psalm 127, 1, which we just read, warns, he says, against trying to, to build or watch, keep watch without God. You know, building and keeping watching are, are like are two words that describe the great preoccupations of humanity. You can think of build as anything we create. You know, we, we are all working to build homes, businesses, fortunes, uh, systems, cities, governments, churches. What are you working diligently to build in your life? But then watching over refers to anything we are working to protect, preserve, conserve, Ancient cities in that day had thick walls that guarded the cities, and men, watchmen, were placed at the top in order to keep watch for potential attacks. So what are we working to guard, protect, preserve? And do we think that whatever we're building, whatever we're protecting, that we can do it fine without God? And as I look at our society, I realize, man, it's, it's far easier to assume that we can get by without God, especially if we live in a society like ours that has experienced so much technological growth, scientific advancement. You know, since the Industrial Revolution in the 1800s, our society has been on an exponential, record-breaking tear of technological development. Right, like many of the limitations that we assumed human beings would never overcome, like going to space, like we've done it. We've done it. And man, like a lot of good has come from these advancements, sure, but that has also fed human arrogance. Ah, we defied that medical problem. We'll get this one too. We don't know how yet, but I I trust in our own ingenuity. 
that we can do it just fine. Who needs God? When was it that a lot of these arguments came out that God was just a crutch? That he's just an opiate for the weak? Since a lot of this technological development. That's when they became the loudest. Because the two have gone hand in hand. But when our human control proves weak, our self-confidence turns into a heavy anxiety. I, for one, have learned these past two years just how limited and fragile I am and we are. And it's certainly no secret on God You know, the book of Ecclesiastes comes right after Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. And in the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes, 37 times it refers to life as vapor or smoke. Meaning, have you ever tried to grab a hole to get a good grip on smoke? Yeah, it's pointless, right? And the the author of Ecclesiastes is saying that's the way life is. Just when you try to grip it and get control, it always tends to slip through our fingers. But if we've lived under the illusion for a long time that we do have a good grip on life, the day that we realize that we do not, which I'm sure some of us have had in these last two years, we're left quite anxious, if not terrified and angry. And as Psalm 127.2 says, when we're driven by our need for control of life, We may get busy. We may get up early. We may go to bed late. We may get stuff done. But for what in the end? For what purpose? Will it even stand? That when anxiety drives our lives, man, we we can't sleep. We can't turn our brains off. We can't enjoy life because everything feels like, like, like it has to be in a rush. The responsibility is such a burden that we allow anxiety to determine our steps as we also try to seek freedom from it. And we think we have to be in control to be okay. And when we're not in control, we feel gypped and angry. And therefore, faced with our limitations... We have to trust somebody or something to save us. And if it's not God, well, we'll trust in the governments, scientists, church leaders, technology, the market, how much money I have in my bank account, whatever. But as we've learned, all of these things have their limits too. So alas, we are limited Fragile human beings trapped in a world we cannot control. Kirk, that's kind of negative. <laughs> Are you going to give us some hope? Yeah. Because I want us to turn this around and look at it differently now. Maybe if we're buckling under the burden of control because we were never meant to carry that burden in the first place. (laughs) What if our lack of control isn't the problem, but who we're trusting for control? What is God's road in his word from anxious control to joyful rest? 
You see, God invites us to humbly relinquish our need for control so that we can joyfully rest in him. Instead of that anxious picture of Psalm 127, Psalm 131 is a beautiful picture of rest. And I believe the psalmist, before he wrote Psalm 131, he saw a baby just zonked out on its mother's chest. And he thought, oh, that's the kind of rest that I want. Because, you know, a baby, a baby that sleeps on its mom is not concerned if it has enough food. It's not concerned what's going on with the markets. It doesn't care a lick about what's going on with Russia, right? That baby, like, I don't know, if you've been around a sleeping baby, there could be an explosion and that baby's still, right? Out, at peace. And I believe the psalmist, if he is David, is looking at that baby at rest. He's like, oh, I want that. And what path did he find for that? You see, a calm lightness came over his soul after he chose to trust, one, that his father is good, and two, walk the path of humility with him. You see, a baby sleeping on its mom doesn't question if the mom loves it or trusts her, if, or if the baby trusts her. It doesn't question that. Going completely against the arrogance of Eden, the psalmist has learned to be content in who the Lord is and the Lord's loving concern for him. And as he learns to trust the Lord, then too... He joyfully accepts his place under him. To paraphrase Psalm 131.1, he says, I do not elevate myself above God or concern myself with those things that only God can control. But when we look at this, this, this trust that the Father is good and walking the path of humility, is that not exactly the path that Jesus walked? Yes! See, pride darkens our hearts with its restless promises of freedom, but Christ freely followed the road of humility. When the serpent tried to offer Jesus control over his own life, what did Jesus say? Nah, I'm choosing to rest and live on the food of my Father's will. And when Jesus had legions of angels already under his control, he instead chose the path of the cross to pay our debt of sin and to make a way so that all who trust in him might have rest and a relationship with their God too. And this is the Savior who says, come to me. Now learn from me how to find rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Are you done trying to control your own life? Are you done trusting in insufficient saviors? If so, trust fall into the wide open arms of the one who gave his life for you to pay your impossible debt of sin and then went down to the gates of hell and took back the keys of death so that we might live. This is what it means to be saved. To trust that Jesus has already accomplished what is necessary. He has removed the barrier of sin so that you can know God. And then to hand over the keys of your life 
to him. Have you done that? Have you done that? Because that can be done in a moment. That could be done now. That's a decision of our heart. You could do that today. And after we come to him, then we are going to learn from him the way of humility. You know, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, meaning a student of his, to live your life learning from him, you must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. See, if we're going to learn to trust Jesus, he must address the ego and the pride within us. Because wherever we trust in ourselves or in something else more than him, we are not at rest. And so therefore, there will be, when we follow Jesus, there will be moments and seasons when Jesus will allow that burden of control to feel so heavy that it takes us low. How am I going to pay for everything? Will my kids be okay? What about my health? What what about health insurance? What's going to happen to this nation? What what about my family? Will they turn to God? I I just, what's going to happen? Until we are finally can't stand anymore. But you know what? This is the safest place you can be. I can't fall from right here. Like, you, you could fall out of that seat right now, right? But I, I can't fall from right here. But here's where we learn to pray. Here's where we learn to trust. And as we learn to trust, we learn to rest. This is where we learn to calm and quiet our souls. And so how do we do that? How can we practically learn to do that? You see, from that place of humility, that's where we learn to trust God for what we cannot control, diligently seek his wisdom for what we can, and treat all of life as a gift from him. Now, if you're burdened under the weight of control like I have been, how can we learn to calm and quiet our souls with God? I have a suggestion. I have an exercise that has been extremely helpful to me, and I hope that it will be helpful to you. Because I, I want to make sure this is, this is practical too, right? That we, we, we are trained in how to calm and quiet our souls. So first, identify what people or things are you trying to control on your own. What are you trying to build? What are you trying to protect? What are, what are you losing sleep over at night? And then second, in prayer with God, ask God, As you write out a list of what you can control about that thing and what you cannot control. For example, if I realize that driving frequently makes me anxious because I feel out of control. Because people be crazy around here. right? If that's you, then first, what can you control about driving? I mean, let's be real. You can control the steering wheel and a couple pedals. It's about it. But what can you not control about driving? This this list always tends to be longer. You cannot control what other drivers do, what the weather decides to do, traffic patterns. I mean, the, the list could go on. Now, for some of you, you may not have a list about driving at all. You may have a list about the pandemic, 
uh, somebody in your family, your, your, your job, some decision in the future, you name it, right? But when you make this list, be as realistic and specific as necessary. What can you control and what can you not control? Then, with that list, turn your list into a daily prayer for wisdom and trust. As we said earlier, God has given us control over some things, right? And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's part of how he made it. But, but this is an opportunity for us not to handle these things without God, but to go to God and ask for his wisdom on those things. So your prayer may be, Holy Spirit, guide me toward what is best with what you've given me to control. What is wisdom? Wisdom is just learning to make the best decision according to God's word. What is God's best in this situation? That's wisdom. And turn that into a daily prayer for a while, right? Because just because you do it day one doesn't mean that it's all, oh, anxiety's gone. We have to train our brains, right? We have to train our souls, our hearts to learn to trust God. And for what you cannot truly control, ask Jesus to teach you how to trust. You know, I, I got to do this with my family and with this church because they, those are two things I love. And when you really love something, that's when you're most tempted to want to control it, right? But I have so much I can't control about either. So sometimes I have to say out loud, God, you're God. I'm not. You're the God over my family, my finances, this church, my future. Remind me of your faithfulness from yesterday so I can believe you to be faithful for tomorrow. And so, this is one of the ways we learn to calm and quiet our souls with God. And you know what tends to happen as we work through this with God? That as we as I control what I can with God and trust him for what I cannot, life becomes a joy again. See, the joy of Eden was stolen by the suspicion and prideful discontent. But we can discover again what it means to find joy in life as we learn to come to Christ and rest in the goodness of God. And God has been teaching me lately what a gift it is that we're alive, but we can't see that gift when we're trying to control and hold the burdens of things that we're never, we were never meant to carry. Because when we're holding on to so many burdens, we are grumpy, we're negative. I, for one, start eating food because I just need to feel better in the brief moment. I'll binge watch shows because I don't like my real life. But when I let go of that burden and I only carry what God has given me to carry and I seek to even carry that with his wisdom and in his strength, what freedom that is. What joy. But getting to that place means learning to come to Jesus and humbly following him, asking for wisdom for what we can control and learning to trust him for what we cannot. And I've seen over and over again, and God's word describes that the road from anxious control to joyful rest winds through the valley of humility. So how might God be speaking to you?
today, specifically? What are those things, situations, who are those people over which you often lose sleep? When are you most tempted to curse your limitations instead of embracing them as a reason to go to God? When does your fear often turn into anger because you feel truly helpless? And if the force of these things on your back are, are, is like gravity and bringing you down, perhaps it's time to actually go low and bring them before the God of steadfast love and unchanging faithfulness. Because no matter what you're feeling or experiencing, what pain or grief you may be under, our God has experienced that too. He's the God of the cross. And no matter what obstacles you may be facing right now, our God has even defeated death. He's the God of the resurrection. So we can come to him. And we can learn from him how to rest. The road from anxious control to joyful rest winds through the valley of humility. So let's follow. And now I just want to take a moment for all of us just to bring these burdens to the Lord. I'm going to lead us in prayer, but as I pray, I want you to pray with me too. But in this moment, I'm going to give us a moment of silence in the middle of this prayer just that you might Lift these things and confess them to God too. Just say, God, I'll let go. Give me wisdom for what I can control. Trust for what I cannot. Lord, thank you that you came to lift the burdens from our shoulders. We, just as we talked about last week, we know that you came and lifted the burden of shame and the, the, the responsibility to somehow pay the penalty for our own sin because you've already done it. But Lord, the truth is there's so many other things that we cannot control in this life. May you teach us, lead us to be, to calm and quiet our own souls that we might be like that baby zonked out on its mom with you. And so Lord, if there's anything that you want to address in our hearts, God, I just, we take this moment of silence now and may we just confess these things to you, just you and us. Take a moment of silence. God, may you show us how to trust in you with all of our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding to acknowledge you in all our ways, for you're the one who makes our paths straight. In Jesus' name, amen.